Friends for the Journey, a podcast that explores the intersection of hope and healing in the face of unexpected transitions in our lives. We're dedicated to recognizing the many different ways to ask for and receive help, that hope can be a rebelliously loving act, healing is possible when we least expect it, and entertaining renewal through connection and curiosity. I'm your host, Catherine Gabriel-Jones. It's conceivable that you, our listeners, might be wondering why I am sitting down with a PhD in Cold War history to talk about hope and cynicism and the intersection of those two experiences. And that's a justifiable curiosity. After all, this podcast is a production of Ministering to Ministers, and by the title of that foundation, one would think that the primary focus of the Ministering to Ministers Foundation is all about faith. Perhaps we could even go so far as to say the Christian faith. However, we find ourselves now in this unprecedented time as the fingers of history close around us. We are in truly unfamiliar territory. We are in the grip of a global pandemic that scientists do not understand. There are waves of suspicion and cynicism that sweep across not only the nation in which we find ourselves, but also across the world. Dr. D.J. Kinney holds a Ph.D. in history with specializations in the history of science, the Cold War, World War I, and environmental history. D.J. Kinney is the writer, producer, and the host of The Cold War Vault, a podcast about the history of the Cold War. His perspective on these dangerous decades in history provide a perspective into the humanity inherent in times of historical change, while we find ourselves in the palm of history, aware of the fingers closing around us. The full length of our conversation lasted a number of hours. However, we began talking about his grandmother, Carla. My biggest regret about my grandmother, Carla, was uh, I think she had a life unlived. She was a wonderful historian, a storyteller. She was quite a prominent member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. And I wish that she had had more opportunities to shine. Yeah. She was a big antique collector. It's kind of where I get my antique. I mean, just reaching over to the left, first antique I found. I love wow. this. This is a Levantine lamp. We think it's about 150 to 200 AD. It's a clay lamp. It's called a slipper that lamp. Beautiful. All this stuff was just found in a garbage dump in Lebanon around 1850. Wow. I love to light this up. That's why it's black. I light, <clears throat> you know, so, th I mean, th uh, we use olive oil, and I, I make my own cotton um, cotton wicks, because back then, they would have used olive oil as a fuel and cotton wicks, so, so roll my own cotton wicks. You know, antiques don't want to be on a shelf. They want to be used. They want to be, yeah. they want to continue to be what they are, you know. Yesterday's trash is today's antique. Yeah. History is not something that wants to sit on a shelf. No. How old is the slipper lamp that you use? 
Oh, it's about 1,800 years old. That's so amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever the solstice or New Year's Eve, we light it up. God, that's so great. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's not that old in the scheme of human history, but uh, normally people be like, oh, 1,800 years old? Why, why are you setting that on fire? I'm like, I got this... Olive oil from Trader Joe's, and we're going to set it on fire. <laughs> I don't even know why they threw it out, because it's not even broken anyway. Wow. And that's such a wild twist, because it's something that's so ubiquitous in their life. It's a little bit like pens right now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. DJ Kinney, I am so excited to be able to sit down and talk with you as we feel the fingers of history curl around us during this global pandemic and this hyperpolarization and uncertainty. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to uh, talk to you right now. We find ourselves in a situation where all of us are suddenly in a steep learning curve. And that brings to mind a question with regards to how we live in a time when history is unfolding in front of us. Yeah, I <clears throat> I would agree with that. All of us have a road that we walk. And it's easy to, to think that that phrase, well, we all have a road that we walk, means that the road is as straight as a highway in <laughs> South Dakota. It's very easily seen. It's very straight. If it has bends and curves, you see them coming. And that's not the case in life. No. There are unexpected turns, and every single turn has a, a new experience. If you were to describe your journey as a landscape, what would that landscape be like? Um, there's like the cynical, sort of cynical answer to that. I, the first thing I thought of was a desert, just with uh, very few palm trees. No oasis, oases. Yeah. I, I think I'd probably stick with that. Uh, my life definitely doesn't have the richness that I hear from a lot of people about, oh, my aunt, my grandma, they were all so supportive and, you know, they understood my dream. I just, it's not a... Not for me. Just my grandfather used to say, he'd say, "What do you want? What do you want to do?" I said, "Well, from the time I was a very small child, I said I want to be a writer." <clears throat> he said, "Do that when you retire. Mm. You need to make some money, and then when you retire, you can be a writer." Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And uh, so. Yeah, I mean, a landscape, it's nothing but a desert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that you include that. Here's why I, I so value your response. Okay. Because yeah. the world is hard. Sometimes people are awful. Sometimes people can be the best things about humanity, but history kind of bears out that sometimes we as human beings cause troubles. And 
I think that there is tremendous value in being able to recognize that sometimes you can't sprinkle sugar on something and call it sweet. (laughs) And the acknowledgement that, yes, there are places in the world and in our lives when we can see and experience this desert and acknowledge that, yes, it is a part of a landscape. But the value of being able to acknowledge that, yes, this has been a hard, hot, dry, relief-less landscape that I've walked. And the wisdom that you have has been wisdom that you have found, that you've done the work to dig and to actually excavate. That takes a tremendous amount of courage and a tremendous amount of honor to acknowledge the wealth within that story. That was a nice thought. Thank you very much. In full disclosure, I need to let all of our listeners know that I have been a fan of your podcast, The Cold War Vault, ever since the first episode was released in January of 2019. Thank you so much. Especially given your ability to see the intricacy and the weavings of all of the stories of the people. And I I so value your inclusion of not just the overarching meta view of the 30,000 foot, this is what happened in history, but also the importance of the individual people. And that inclusion provides an empowerment that our stories matter because they are our stories. And we may, as individuals, be lost in that 30,000-foot view of history, but that doesn't diminish the value and the importance of the stories that we live. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a really valuable take. That's, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the intent of this podcast is the recognition that everybody believes something. Even if that's something that they believe is that humans are terrible. (laughs) For instance, part of what I believe is that history really does rhyme. Mm. And part of my job as a living person is to recognize where I rhyme in tandem with my history, as well as how that informs how I see history. So that's part of the faith that drives me forward. Mm Um, all right, let's see. I was Jesuit ed- educated. Um, the Jesuits, interesting creatures, those <laughs> those guys. That is a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they made a choice to be Jesuits. They're not Franciscans. <laughs> it's, uh, I wish that they would have... Um, been broader in their support Mm. of the people that I went to school with. I think a lot of people, a lot of the guy, I mean, it was boys school. I wish a lot of the guys would have, um, benefited from some, some support. I think there, I, I, I've always been a little resentful of it. And, um, I get stuff in the mail Mm. begging for money (laughs) every every uh month from my high school mm-hmm. and uh 
And it's like the money that they spent on the glossy paper could have paid for a, a, a guy's whole high school career. Yeah. And um, that bugs me. Mm-hmm. So I've had a I've had a rough relationship with the church. Yeah. You know, I went I went Catholic school all my life, but gosh, that bugs me because I was clearly a talented kid, mm-hmm. like a storyteller. I had mm-hmm. abilities. Mm-hmm. I was a little too weird. I'm still a little weird. But uh, yeah, that yeah, that bothers me. That that's yeah. worth talking about. That's worth saying. Yeah. What does uh, hope mean? Well, I'll tell you right now. Consistency. Consistency in the human experience. Oh. It's never going to get better. It's never going to get too much worse. But if you can have consistency from generation to generation... Yeah then you know what to expect for your kids and you know that you're not being shafted. Like your, your parents didn't have it all that much better. Yeah. It's just consistency. I, I read a lot, know a lot about different uh, eras. You know, one, one of my favorite eras would, I think, I think it probably didn't smell great, but I love the Romans. You know, they, they, there's some stuff that would be very familiar. They mm-hmm. had fast food. Did you know that? Like, as in food trucks. You go up, you go up to a window, you're like, you know, get a rat on a stick. <laughs> and, and give the money and like, that's it. And it's like, easy. Mm-hmm. That's life. That's easy. Yeah. And uh, they were very generous to the people in their empire, as in, do you want to dress like a woman and you're a man? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a problem. Yeah. You want to be a Jew? Okay. You're, you're, you live, live over there. That's fine. Pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. And we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And um, that feels very familiar to me. Yeah. And like con- consistency between, that it's just when things get dark, strange, and fearful mm-hmm. that uh, I'm like, oh, I don't think I could handle that. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. 2000 years ago is as familiar to me today, whereas probably America in the, the, the South in the 1920s mm-hmm. is as alien as the medieval period in Europe in in 1400. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I have these friends. We, we, Annette and I know quite a few people in, in, um, who are in Europe. They, I have some Danish friends and some Dutch friends. And they always talk about the United States, right? Like it's a thing. Like it exists. It doesn't, <laughs> you know. Because, because Vermont... And, and Sweden are more aligned than, than uh, Alabama and Vermont. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you, you guys don't understand. It's a, it's a loosely aligned confederacy mm-hmm. of people that happen to be con- 
uh, contiguous mm-hmm. in a in a geographical state, and and yeah. it's like, and so, what is hope? What is hope? Just like let's not make it worse. <laughs> wow! Talk about brass tacks. May I share with you why yeah. I love that? Yeah, because in the same way that we were talking about the value of the individual stories of the people within the history and each of those individuals making up a part of that history. History is this monolithic shape that is moving through space. And our hope is to have that consistency so that the gyroscope doesn't get wobbly. Yeah, right. We each have a part to play in that. How do we as individual people in a world that is, well, here we are in this pandemic, what part do each of us play in this period of time when history is now folding around us? Each of us makes up the the big story of history. Right. How do you see the individual in the overarching shape of history? And how yeah. do we aspire to engage hope? We um in history when you study history there's um in the last couple decades, three decades, something called the great man theory mm. has uh fallen out of favor. So you don't learn about the Thomas Jefferson's or Abraham Lincoln's anymore. You learn about the the people around them, slaves and and the the culture around them. I don't know how I feel about that because we're all individuals that exist in a continuum. I I don't think we all matter. Mm. I, I think we can live and die and make no difference on the earth. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that if you give a little effort, you can leave a book behind, a poem, a child. Mm-hmm. I do think that you can make a difference as an individual, and individuals do matter in history. I love this. Plenty the Elder, famous in his own right, right? Plenty. Mm-hmm. Great historian. But that's not the biggest difference he made. Mm. The biggest difference he made was he had a boat. And when Pompeii erupted and people were on the shore desperate to escape, famous Pliny took his boat and rescued countless people. Wow. And uh, probably made a bigger difference in human history for doing that than anything he ever wrote, any histories, or even... His son, Pliny the Younger. I did not know that. Wow. The unspoken impact that each one of us can have. The choices that we make seem minor, instantaneous choices. Sure. Think about all the people who lived because of that. Yeah. I mean, after 2,000 years, thousands of people lived because of that. Yeah. Untold numbers of people live because of it. Wow. So, 
I very much hope our listeners will click on the link to the Cold War vault that I'll include in the show notes. I do too. Your willingness to include not only the overarching history of this is what happened on a global political scale, but to include the individual stories, the recognition that each one of us does have a story that can be told. That resonates with what you were saying earlier about we can give something, we can add something to the world rather than merely subtract from the world. We can leave something in an act of kindness with another person, a poem, a book, sharing in community. Right. I'm thinking about your series of the, I may mispronounce this, but the Otters of Amchitka. That was right. You got it right. Which was wonderful. Aww. And the inclusion of all of the people who were involved in that process. And throughout your podcast, your inclusion of people's individual stories as history carries them along mm -hmm. really makes a sense of humanity rise forth from this scary time. And my hope for our listeners is entertaining the possibility that no matter how crappy the road might be right now mm -hmm. that we're on, the road stretches far beyond where our eyes can see, and it extends far back beyond where we could think. And we're a part of many different individual stories, each of which deserves to be heard. And I love your inclusion of that. I really appreciate that. It's uh, really meaningful. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, take that on board here. It's going to take me a minute. <laughs> so, so while you're processing, sure. um, the term resilience is something that I use a lot. Resilience can very easily be seen as being like a refrigerator magnet. You pop it up on there and it says something pithy, and mm -hmm. we're supposed to take meaning from that. But I think resilience means something different to each person, depending on the life that they've lived and the road they've walked. Um, resilience. I'm not very resilient. I'm actually quite constantly subject to you know, the whims of the world. <laughs> At the beginning of the pandemic, my wife Annette imagined that I would be like, like a post-apocalyptic warrior, you know, and uh, be a rock. And I wasn't at all. I was a disaster. I've gotten better since then, adapted to the new expectations of society. But, wow, resilience? Definitely not a word I would use when I'm describing myself. Yeah. I wish I were resilient and um, strong, but I think I'm not. Mm. I mean, I know I'm not. That's all. I gave that a lot of thought. So That takes a lot of strength and flexibility to be able to acknowledge. Yeah. Because, well, I'll speak for myself. Mm -hmm. You'll let me know if any of this resonates at all. Okay. 
my spouse is a minister. Mm. So I'm a minister's wife who wears big bangly earrings, loves rock and roll. Action movies are like top on my list. And I have a mouth like a pirate. In other words, I am the complete antithesis of what you would imagine a minister's wife in quotation marks to be. But I actually thought that I would totally rock as a minister's wife on top of a mountain because, yeah, sure, it would be tough, but I'd totally rock that. I really thought I would. I did not Mm. in any way, shape, or form. And I was so disappointed in myself (laughs) because I thought I was stronger. I thought I was tougher. I thought that my faith in the ability of humanity to rise to the challenge would be more of the rocks that the waves of experience would crash against rather than just pushing me farther out to sea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that resonate? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So here we are in this pandemic where nothing is familiar. Mm -hmm. Oh. When we feel broken... When we are wounded and when we feel pain, reaching out for help or for any support is impossible. It's like actually walking in space without a spacesuit. It is so hard. Yeah. The ability and the willingness to say, yeah, you know what, right now, not so resilient. Right now, in this moment, right here not feeling real hopeful about the state of the world. That takes guts because there is this expectation that we are told we must reach. And if we don't meet those expectations, then not only may we be failing in in this life or this process, but it supports the feeling that we are wounded and broken. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. I, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate those thoughts. Yeah. I had heard that uh, future historians will have specific months or quarters of the year 2020 that they will devote their careers to. Yeah. The byline for the Cold War vault is the most dangerous decades in history. We as human beings in history do kind of become resilient in the way of slowly slouching our way through the halls of life after we drag ourselves, our human history, from one decade to another. So I contacted you out of the blue, and I said, I would love to talk with you about this intersection of cynicism and hope in history. Given your study of the Cold War and the fact that we survived the Cold War as humanity. Sure. How do you as a historian think about this intersection of cynicism and hope? There are a few people who I trust who have presented the opinion that this is a regular cycle of insanity. That when you look back in 1967, 68, a lot of the violence going on then was almost identical to what's going on in the streets today. And uh, there are different opinions on why that is, but I, I think that the rhythm of is undeniable. Now, is it astrology, the stars, the alignment of the planets? I don't know about that. 
but I do see a ridiculous amount of peace and prosperity that existed in between these moments of disruption and violence and civil discord. I think that there's nothing revolutionary happening. I don't think that anything will be fundamentally different in five years than it was five years ago, any more than the civil discord of the late 1960s and to a much lesser degree the early 1970s resulted in anything fundamentally different. There are changes that have taken place in Western society that are undeniable over not a decade or two, but over a hundred or two hundred years. And they matter on a day-to-day basis to people like women. You know, people like women. Minorities, racial minorities in the West. I mean, in America. It matters. There is, without a doubt, in my mind, I said this to Annette, there's not a bit of this that would have happened if it weren't for the coronavirus. But I remember back in the 90s, for instance, after the fall of Soviet Union, there were obviously concerns and some global issues, but they were so vanishingly small compared to what we would deal with by in the early 2000s. It was a time of peace. It really was a time of peace. I mean, not for, not for people in Bosnia. Yeah. You know, it's never going to be okay for everybody. But uh, it was okay. And this is part of the rhythm of society. Seems to be uh, on a, a fairly regular basis. Some people say 23 years. Some people say 50 years. Depends on how you measure it. Depends on where you live. Depends on what country you live in. What color your skin is. Sure. I know this sounds so cynical. I just don't think anything is going to change. I think that this is a, a, a period of disruption. I think that some people who have proven themselves not to be worthy leaders, whether they be state governors or mayors of big cities or, or in the federal government, They'll go away, and new people will come in, and new things will happen. Um, but I don't think anything fundamentally will change, because I think that none of this came from a place of revolutionary fervor. This came from a place of frustration, mm-hmm. but, I, but I, I, don't, I don't see anything fundamentally changing. It probably sounds a little dark, a little negative. I don't think it is, because... For every time that we experience like this, anger or whatever, there is corresponding period of peace and prosperity. And it's never going to be perfect for everyone, but I, I suspect that by 2025 and maybe the decade after, it's going to be a fantastic time mm-hmm. or not. Well, the Roaring Twenties happened after the 1918-1919 pandemic. And the corresponding World War, of course. Absolutely. And uh, I hope that there is peace and prosperity. So during this unprecedented time, as history unfolds, I actually see it, I think, somewhat ironically as a very peaceful time that 
that might lead into a period of peace. Yeah, I hope, because this is so disruptive, I hope that there is that uh, opportunity. I mean, between the end of the war in 1918 and the beginning of the war in 1939, there was a lot of peace, a, a global depression as well. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah exactly how this will play out but we will be dealing with the repercussions of the poor decisions that have been made for a hundred years without a doubt as surely as we still are talking about 1918 mm -hmm. yeah i just bought some antique yeah. coins yesterday like world war ii coins i mm -hmm. just i just bought them yesterday mm -hmm. why well they're antiques love antiques why did that happen World War One, World War Two happened because of World War One. I'm buying antiques because of some nonsense that happened a hundred and four-ish years ago, and yeah. I just really wish that that weren't the case. But it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make a bold statement. Oh, good. Okay, I'm ready. It is easy in this conversation to entertain that. Well, this is a really dark, cynical view, and artwork for instance, paintings, need to have the darker hues in order to allow the colors to shine out. Oh, okay. We need to have the recognition and the allowance for the space that right now, where I am, and from where I happen to be standing, I can see only the shadows. That's what I can see. Yeah. There's a lot of value to that because our culture lays a lot of pressure on being happy. <laughs> My spouse actually got a book years ago from someone that was titled, Honest to God, How to Be Happy, Damn It. <laughs> okay. And the, the pressure on, you know, just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and just keep right on going and just put on a happy face and take those dark feelings and push them down past your knees until you're stepping on them. Just be happy. Be happy. And sometimes you can't sprinkle sugar on something and call it sweet. <laughs> you did say that. That's true. You know, suffering is like rain. Everybody gets wet. If we start comparing how wet my shirt is in comparison to how wet your shirt is, how does that help us aspire towards consistency? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of our listeners who are living through the darkest period of their lives. Yeah. Whether they listen to it now in 2020 or they listen to it in three years after they have experienced a forced termination, or if they experience another kind of loss. Living through a dark chapter of your life means acknowledging where the darkness is. Sure. And that matters, because history is a lot bigger than today. Hmm. It's a lot to think about. I think about this stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. It drives people crazy around me. I think about this stuff like the 30 years war was my favorite topic of conversation. Let me express to you how annoying that became for my spouse. So DJ, Dr. Kinney, I have a question for you. Yes. In the midst of all of this wonderful conversation we've had, 
If you could go back in time to tell your previous self something, what time would you go back to and what would you tell yourself? I would go back to high school and I would tell myself that time isn't as finite as it seems when you're young. That you can give up a year or two and it doesn't matter. You could go into the military two to four years, not a big deal. Every day seems so important when you're young. Every day seems so vast that to give up a year is insane. But when you're 14, 15 years old, that's 15th of your whole life. Mm -hmm. If I could do it all over again, I would uh, have taken the time. I would have taken a year or four and done the things that were necessary to make the rest of my life more successful. Yeah. yeah. When I was a little kid, not too little, I mean 10, 11, my parents wanted to send me to space camp. I mean, that made a lot of sense because I was like, I was really into science. When I was that age, I was like three weeks? My, that's like my whole summer. Yeah. Three weeks. God. I didn't go to space camp. And uh, it was just because like three weeks was my whole universe. Yeah. And then time just changes. The whole mass, you know. Mm -hmm. Now I'm okay. So now I'm 42. And I've been in this house that Annette and I live in. For eight years, longest I've ever lived anywhere, except for my childhood home. And we both look at each other and we're like, we're going to die here. Eight years. We've been here eight years. And, and, now I'm, and now I'm listening to myself talk and I'm like, it's just eight years. Wow. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. Those are good thoughts. How time morphs and changes yeah. in our experience to consider the possibility, depending on where we happen to be standing, that looking back on the life that we've lived and to hear the tone of our own self-talk. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wish I would have gone to space camp, tell you that. I was a troglodyte as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so no space camp for you? No space camp for me. DJ, I really want to thank you for your time. And Dr. Kinney, thank you for your podcast, The Cold War Vault. And I'm really so grateful to you for having shared some of your time with me. It's good to have you as a friend for the journey. Well, I really appreciate it. And um, thank you so much for talking. Thank you for listening to Friends for the Journey where we discover meaningful support and encouragement for all those who work in service to others, including teachers, healthcare providers, clergy, mental health support, nonprofit advocates, lay leaders, and everyone whose profession seeks to be of service to others or answers a call or follows a vocation. If you like what you've heard, Please review us on iTunes so we can reach out and connect with more friends for the journey. 
And don't forget to subscribe so you can stay connected with us, your Friends for the Journey. Friends for the Journey is a production of Ministering to Ministers Foundation. Since 1994, Ministering to Ministers has advocated for those who have been wounded along their journey of service, seeking to provide care for mind, heart, body, and spirit. We're easy to find on the web. Just go to ministeringtoministers.org. And I will leave you with this. Along the roads of life, there are many twists and turns. Some turns in life and friendships. Some twists in work that earns. And sometimes in transition when we are tired and at wit's ends. It is good to know that for the journey, we have some trusted friends. I am your host, Catherine Gabriel-Jones, saying goodbye. Thanks for joining me along this journey. See you next time.